Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to read Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 will start in verse 6. If you have your Bible with you, you want to turn, you can turn your Bible app. You can also click events in your Bible app and uh, get to it, get to notes and the scripture references and all that stuff uh, that way as well. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the dates. The father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power. And the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Seems kind of obvious, doesn't it? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Father, we thank you for this word today. We pray, God, that you'd equip us to do what you've called us to do. Give us the right expectations. And in the right expectations, give us all the power we need to do what you've called us to do. We thank you for it, Lord, that you've included us in this great gospel. That you've enabled us to be the ones that transport it to the world. So we pray we don't take it lightly, Lord. We pray that we'd align ourselves with your will and you'd accomplish all that you plan to through us. It's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. You know, expectations can be paralyzing or empowering, can't they? You, you have expectations about everything uh, in life. And you have expectations about uh, your job or being in school. Or you have expectations about relationships, about kids. You have expectations about retirement, an expectation about what's supposed to happen here this morning, an expectation about how I'm supposed to operate, an expectation about what lunch is supposed to look like, an expectation that you get in your car and you turn the key on when you get out of church and it just starts. You have an expectation that in the morning the toaster is going to work and the air conditioner is going to work and you have an expectation that when you come to the tap, then you turn it on and water is going to come out of it. You have an expectation when you get up uh, this morning, your iPhone was already going to change the time for you. It'd be a sick trick if Apple just went, eh, not this year. Not this year. Let them sleep another hour. We'll change it at noon. No, we, we live a life of expectations. We always have an expectation of what we think should happen. And most of us, the difficulty comes when that expectation is unmet. I thought my husband was going to treat me like this. I thought my wife was going to do, uh, treat me like this. I thought every time I came home from work, she was going to have a cup of warm tea for me and um, not be irritated that I just sat down and turned the TV on. I had an expectation. I had an expectation my kids were going to act a certain way. 
How is it that as parents we walk into the Walmart with a two-year-old with an expectation that they're not going to throw a fit? I feel like we're setting ourselves up for failure. It's like we look at the two-year-old and we warn them going in as if they can understand complete English. And we say, hey, listen, don't act stupid in here. Don't make your mother look crazy. Don't embarrass the family. I'm going to put this binky in your mouth. You're going to keep your mouth shut the whole time. And if not, I got four pounds of snacks in my purse that I'm going to jam in your mouth. Right? And then you get into the, the Walmart and you're walking around. The first 20 minutes goes well. And the first time you don't give them the Elmo or whatever it is, they're just screaming their head off. And your, your unrealistic expectations are not being met. And now you're looking around seeing if anybody's watching you slap them. <laughs> so, so I wonder sometimes if it's the kid or our expectation of the kid. I wonder if we don't set ourselves up for failure a lot of times because we're expecting the two-year-old to, to act not like a two-year-old. I wonder if it's us setting ourselves up for failure to, act, to, to, to actually think the job we go into is going to miraculously change overnight. And your boss isn't going to be like he has been for the last 20 years. Like he's going to get Jesus all of a sudden and be more sanctified quicker than you are. Remember, your boss has been putting it with you too. He has expectations of you. Man, I didn't even say that on first service. What if you're your boss's unmet expectation? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this sermon could go two ways now. <laughs> you have to remember the disciples have been following Jesus around for about three years. And, and um, there was a nationalism in Israel that, that shaped prophecy. And this, this nationalistic idea was that when the Messiah comes, he would restore the kingdom to Israel. They wouldn't be under Roman the, the thumb of the Romans anymore, that they would have a sovereignty. And so everything they thought about when it came to the Messiah was based in that thought pat- pattern, that there was an expectation that he would come and they would be in charge of their own destiny. They would be in charge of their own people. And so we see this play out when the mother of James and John comes to Jesus and says, hey, when you come, in, when you come into your kingdom, when you, when you become the man we think you're going to be, would you put my one son on the right, one son on the left? Could they, could they be with you like that? And Jesus says, you don't even know what you're asking for. You don't understand. I didn't come just to reestablish nationalistic rule over Israel. I, my, my deal is bigger than that. So there was this expectation. So they walk through the whole process with Jesus. They see him die, resurrect. And now we're back at it. In the beginning of Acts, Luke is writing and saying, this is still their idea. There's still their expectation. So Jesus is now resurrected, and they're still posing the same question to him. Hey, when are you going to come into your kingdom? When, are, when, it, when is the kingdom, when, when is this going to happen? And Jesus says, that's not, I don't know. That's not for me to know. That's for the Father to know. But here's what I do know. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now, I want, I want you to just put yourself in their place for a second. Could you imagine having a leader that died and rose again? 
That's pretty good political strategy, isn't it? They tried to kill me, and I'm back. You'd be the Terminator. You, you, you see where their hopes started going. Like, you can't kill this guy. This could work out for us. When, when, when are you going to pull the trigger on this? You were dead. Now we're eating with you, talking to you, touching you. We could, no one can stop us now. When are you going to, when are you going to do this? So there's still, they still have an expectation that isn't correct. They still have an expectation that Jesus is going to do something that he never came to do. And so he tells them, hey, that's not, I don't know what the, I don't know when the date is and you don't either. That's not for you to worry about. Here's what you need to worry about. You're going to receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witness. And then he puts on the jet pack and goes up into the air. Now we read that in church. We're like, oh yeah, Jesus ascended. Not a big deal. I told you you guys read over the scripture too quick. You read it over too quick. You would be doing the exact same thing going. Peter, did he tell me he was just standing here talking to us. And now we're watching him go up. It wasn't, it wasn't Star Trek back then either. They were just teleporting people. This was an unbelievable circumstance that they're looking at each other. They're looking up going, we're just here. So naturally, what goes up must come. They might not have had the word gravity, but they knew things that you throw up in the air come back down. And if you jump off a building, it goes down. So I'm going to stand here and wait because my expectation is that he's coming back down. I've never seen anyone just ascend up into the heavens and then that was it. So they're standing there while he goes up and they're just looking. What in the world just happened? So then I like the way the Bible says it suddenly. So you can picture them like this and then, geez, what? Two, two guys in white robes standing right beside him like, hey, what are you guys looking at? Jesus was just standing here. Now he's not. And not only did he not just disappear, we saw him float away. They said, why are you still standing here? Because what goes up must come down. We're just waiting. So the angels say, Listen, don't stand here and wait. The same Jesus you saw go up will come back. Don't stand here and wait. I want to talk to you about unmet expectations. Unmet expectations can paralyze you. It can paralyze a marriage, a family. It can paralyze a a job. It can paralyze. It can paralyze your life, really. Let me ask this. How many of you wake up in the morning with an expectation everything's going to go well? You're optimistic people. Wake up in the morning, you're like, it's going to be a good day. Only to leave your house. Maybe you don't even get out of the house. Get in the car, you start driving. Remember last week we talked about how somebody almost ran you off the road? And so, you know, something happens. Something that is statistically normal happens. 
And what? Boom. Our expectations are broke just right then. I can't believe. And so we come, we get to the office. We're already, we're already amped. We're like, man, my ride in here wasn't good. Well, it hasn't been good for 20 years. <laughs> but you stay in the same expectation. And so, so we walk through the day and normal things happen, right? Come on. Norm, your life is just as normal as mine. I ordered a car part off of eBay, which I thought was trustworthy. <laughs> Last night, I was putting it on the car and it didn't fit. And man, I was mad. I was like, these people. My expectation. It was my expectation that the part that was half as much as it was anywhere else was going to be an exact fit for that car. I didn't think it was unrealistic. I thought if they say that's what it is, then that's what it is. Right? No. It's eBay. You've got like a 20% we're making it all up factor. So I realized when I woke up this morning, Chris, you set yourself up for that. That wasn't the guy selling its fault. That was your fault for believing the guy that was selling it. That was your fault for going against everything you ever thought about car parts that you can get something half as cheap as you can anywhere else and it still work. You set yourself up for it. <laughs> so what happens is we do this with marriage. We do this with our family. We do this with our kids. Why can't my kids be just like other good kids? You just don't see the other good kids be bad. So you set an unrealistic expectation. You don't see the other parents beating their kids because they do it at home. <laughs> and so you don't get to be firsthand with it. So you don't see it. So all you see is the result of the discipline. And you think your kids are crazy because your expectation is that they would act like a family who disciplines their kids. So we set ourselves up and we think less of what we're actually doing because our expectation is wrong. It can be paralyzing and it make you want to give up. And what happened here was the disciples were sure that Jesus was going to establish his kingdom. And then he floats up in the air and you can imagine the shock when he says, it's not for me to decide. But here's what I want you to do. Wait a second. That wasn't the expectation. The expectation is you're going to be here with us. You've already risen from the dead. This is amazing. We can't lose now. We thought this is what was going to happen. And now he's, however, fluttering up into the sky. And they're standing there looking paralyzed. What now? So what happens after 10 years of marriage? It's not exactly what you thought it was going to be. What happens when your kid turns 15 and decides they know everything? Which, if you haven't been there yet, it's interesting. <laughs> what happens when the job that you've worked at is the same even though your expectations aren't? What happens when you've woken up every morning hoping that your boss will be different, but they're the same person when you walk, that you walked into yesterday? What happens? It ends up paralyzing us. You know, the Bible tries to help us with this. Jesus tried to help us with this. 
And it's not being pessimistic, it's being realistic. Jesus tries to help us with this when he, when he says this. I'm telling you this to help you out. Let me put the scripture up there. He says, I'm telling you this to help you out. In this world, you will have trouble. So he says this, I've told you these things so you may have peace. So he's saying the expectation is this, trouble, but in the midst of trouble, I can have peace. Now that's a realistic expectation. So here's an unrealistic expectation. Lord, my peace depends on no trouble. Unrealistic. And that's where we live. We live in, if nobody pulls me over, my boss doesn't hassle me, if my, if my wife or husband does everything I want, if my, if my boyfriend remembers my birthday. He didn't remember it last year. Odds are. Odds are. If it all goes well, then peace follows the perfection. What Jesus said is I'm giving you peace because what you're going to get is trouble. So we need to, we need to realign the expectation. What am I going to have today? More than likely, I'm going to have trouble at some point in time today. Because I may be perfect, but I'm surrounded by sinners. Just go and tell yourself that. Go and tell yourself that. You're not the problem. Your expectation is the problem. You may be perfect. But you're surrounded by sinners. And what do sinners do? Bad things. So we're in a society that is going to experience trouble at every turn. Jesus says, I'm doing this to help you out. You can have peace in the midst of trouble, not in the midst of perfection. Make your peace reliant on perfection. No, in the midst of trouble, you can still have peace. So I adjust my expectation, not that the day is going to go perfectly, but that in the middle of it not going perfectly, I can have peace. So now I'm not crazy. Because let me give you the definition of crazy. The definition of crazy is this. You waking up with the same expectation every morning and it never being met. That's crazy. Look at your husband saying, told you. It's crazy. It's crazy. So what happens? It paralyzes us. The disciples are standing there going, I'm not sure what to do now. We were thinking it was going to work out one way. Jesus just tripped out on us and jetpacked uh, up into the clouds. We have no idea what's happening. Boom, two angels standing there going, what are you guys looking at? What do you think we're looking at? Hey, listen, don't just stand around here. Because paralyzation will cause us to stand and watch when Jesus told us to go and tell. Do you ever think about how much time we spend on asking God to change our circumstance when he wants us to operate in the middle of the circumstance? So we stand and wait, God, change it, God, change it, come back down, this is not funny. Come back down, 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 come back down. And he says, no, 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 you didn't listen. I told you I'd give you power to go be a witness. I told you in the middle of trouble I could give you peace. I told you 
That no matter what happens, I would be with you. I told you I was in authority of everything, and I'll be with you to the end. I told you all these things, so don't stand and wait. Go and tell. Don't be paralyzed because it's not working out the way you want it to. Go in the midst of it not working out. Go in the midst of it not working out. Lord, I didn't think I'd be sick, but you gave me peace in the middle of being sick. So I don't have to be paralyzed in the middle of being sick. I can still go and tell in the middle of being sick. Lord, this is not the way my job is supposed to be working out, but I don't have to be paralyzed by it. I can actually get better in the middle of it, and I can be more like Christ in the middle of it. You see, what happens is the only the thing, the person that hurts the most when we're paralyzed is ourselves because we don't progress inwardly or outwardly. So we hurt ourselves and in turn hurt everyone else around us. The people depending on us, we're like, Lord, I'm just standing here waiting on you to fix me. I'm waiting on you to do something miraculous. And he said, listen, I've given you power. I, I've been telling you this. So we stand and wait when he says, go and tell. And then we wonder why the world stays the way it is. We're waiting on God, waiting on God, waiting on God. What are we waiting on? I used to get so frustrated when I hear people say, we're, man, I just feel like we're at the edge. God's taking us somewhere. We're at the edge of the river. I'm like, why don't we jump in? I don't, why are we just standing around waiting on God on the edge? When he said, the angels show up and go, what are you, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? He said he'd empower you. Go. Come on, you look like a bunch of dummies looking up in the air over nothing. I wonder if the outside world looks at us and say, man, the church is just sitting there staring, wondering when Jesus is going to come back. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. He's been gone so long. What if we were actually going and telling, and in the midst of going and telling, it was transforming people's lives because he said he'd give us the power to do that. And then us expecting him to come back wouldn't look so weird. (laughs) Because there'd be a manifestation of his power to back up what we were saying. Because when we're just standing here like this, nothing's happening. There's no power. There's there's nothing to bless. We're just standing there. What are you doing? Waiting on, waiting on the Lord. For what? Help? Just waiting. Now listen, I don't, I don't, I think we should wait on God uh, 30 seconds or so. I mean, I have to preface it by saying I took the strengths finder test and my number one strength is activator. And in the description of the activator, it says, you think some deliberation is okay, but you don't really need it. So all of you guys can make up your mind about how you think it's going to go. I'm just start walking. Like anybody else in the room like that? Like, you're just like, okay, I'm not standing on the sideline waiting on somebody to make a decision. I'll go just do it. And if I get it wrong, you can laugh at me for a little bit. We'll fix it, and I'll keep doing it. Like, just let's move. Come on. Let's move. Let's move. I like prayer meetings as long as they incur action afterwards. I don't need a prayer meeting to come back to another prayer meeting, to come back to another prayer meeting, to come back to a prayer meeting to pray about what we prayed about the first time. Lord, how long do you want us to pray? Till you receive power? All right. I feel like I'm powered up. Then go do something. Yes, sir. Why are you standing here still looking at me? Now watch. So he called us to go and do. We stand and watch. We stand and wait. And I want to let you know 
that oftentimes when we're paralyzed by unmet expectations, we ignore all the training we've had. Now watch this. I'm going to make a comment here that may seem strange. It wasn't Jesus' job to evangelize the world. Do you understand what I'm saying there? That's not why he came. He came, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. It didn't say Jesus would himself, by himself, go out and tell everybody about himself. He came that we may have life, life more abundant. He came to live a perfect life, die on the cross, and rise again. And when he was done doing that, he floated away. Think about it. He was called, God sent his son to be born of a virgin, live a perfect life, die on the cross, rise again, power over death, hell, and the grave, same power that raised Christ from the grave dwells in us, quickens our mortal bodies. He did all that for our benefit, to save us, empower us. He leaves to send the Holy Spirit. We're still waiting on him to evangelize the world when that wasn't his calling. He came to die on the cross and rise again, and then he called us to evangelize the world. So watch this. So what we do is we overlook all the training we've had because we don't understand our job description. Because we're still paralyzed thinking he's supposed to do it. So we're standing here with unmet expectations. I thought you were going to come into your kingdom. And I thought you were going to make everybody. I thought you were just come into your kingdom. I thought you were going to make everybody listen. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not what's happening here. I'm leaving. And you're going to tell everybody about me. What? I've been setting you up for this the whole time. Now watch. Here's proof. Jesus was not training them to be rulers over people. He was training them to be witnesses to people. He wasn't giving them deep theological, intellectual lessons on how to be a great politician or how to rule a kingdom. He wasn't telling them stuff like that. He was saying, listen, if you want to be first, you got to be last. If you want to be greatest, you got to be the servant of them all. He was saying, here's how you touch sick people. Here's how you, here's how you, here's how you deal with people nobody else wants to deal with. Here's how you get Zacchaeus out of a tree and we go have dinner at his house tonight. Here's how you get accused of eating and drinking with sinners. Here's how you do all this stuff because you got to touch people. You got to minister to people. And so he sent out the 12 and he empowered them to do all kinds of miracles and everything. He sent out 72, two by two, do the same thing. And what happened was when their expectations were wrong, they forgot about all their training. Because we may have an expectation to have a job that we weren't trained to do. So now what we have to do is we have to go back and examine to make sure our expectations are right. What have I been trained to do? What have I been trained to do? Jesus never told the disciples, hey, listen, I need, I need you to get about 40 credit hours online. I need you, I need you to get that ruling, the, 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 the ruling uh, degree so you can rule over everybody. No, no, no. He would tell them stuff like this. You've seen how they rule over everyone else. Not so with you. That's not the way we do things in the kingdom. So what happens is, We get paralyzed because of unmet expectations and we forget all the training. So here's the deal. You look back on your life, you say, man, I've had a lot of difficulty. I've had a lot of difficulty. Maybe that was called training. But my expectations haven't been met, so I've ignored the difficulty training. And maybe God was training you 
to be able to empower you to go and tell people that other that also have difficulties. Oh, but that's not who I want to minister to. I want to minister to people with a lot of money. I want to minister to people that got it all together. I just want to sit down and talk about how good the Lord is. I just want to sit down and talk about the blessing. I'll go to Africa, and and it's like this across the world. No pastor ever gets called to a smaller church or a church with less money. When you hear when you hear pastors talk, they'll say, "Well, I was, you know, I, I, I think I was called into the city, like where the big church is, and the pay is higher." Oh, you were. Oh, yeah. So was everybody else. That's ironic. The Lord put the same calling on everybody. It looks easier. Yeah, but let's go back and examine what you were trained for. Let's go back and examine what your life experience has trained you for. See, what we try to do is we try to shuck off all of our experience when God says, no, that's what I'm working through. That's what I'm working through. I've, I've walked with you through all of that stuff, and now you think I'm just going to put it on the sideline and, and ask you to do something else? No, all of that experience was preparation for now what I'm asking you to do. The last three years of you walking around with me, you think, I'm, you think all of that servanthood and all of that, all that reaching out and healing was just so you could sit on a throne? That wasn't what it was for. It's so I could empower you to go be a witness. But in our paralyzation, we, we forget the training. We forget, what has he trained me for? Oh, he trained me to be a witness, and I want to be a ruler. He trained me to be a witness, and I'm trying to be a ruler. Just because it's my expectation, not his. Now, the Bible says something about this. That when we're presented with truth, it should change us. Amen? Now, I know if some of you in here are the argument type. Don't look. And even when you're presented with truth, you're going to argue about it. No, man, that's not me. That's not for me. Yeah, you do that. Something easy as snoring. Why are we still acting like we don't snore? I mean, how many videos does it take, really? <laughs> really, how many videos does it? No, that's not me. I don't, I don't, that's, that wouldn't hold up in a court of law. That's not me. No, it's you. Your mouth is gagged open. You actually stopped breathing three times. And then you, then you woke the dog up snoring. Like, it's like, ugh. Not me. No, not me. I don't snore. She's crazy. The unbelievable thing to me is God can present us with truth over and over and over and over in the scripture and it never changes our expectation. We will run into the same problem the same way every time, headlong like a brick wall, and then get our feelings hurt when it doesn't work out the way we want to. And the whole time scripture is trying to go, come on, you big knucklehead. And so what happens is James talks about this. I believe it's James chapter 1, is it? James talks about this. James chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Wow. I'm so glad James wrote that. I would have never thought about doing that. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets who he looks like. He said all of us have short-term memory loss. 
He says, you look directly into the word of God and it says, change your expectations about life. This is what my role is. This is what your role is. And you need to operate inside the difficulty. I'll give you peace. Change the expectation and it'll work. And we go, nah, nah, I don't think I can do it that way. And James says, man, it's like looking in the mirror and walking away, forgetting who you are. It's like hearing Jesus say, go, be my witness, and then standing there like this. It's like I just forgot what he said. I'm going to just wait on him to come back because if he come back, he may change his mind. And maybe I won't have to go be a witness or maybe he'll do it for me. Listen, there's things that God called you to do and there's things that he does. And you can't get those two mixed up. Her T.D. Jakes said one time, You've been praying for a table, and God makes trees. Some of you will get that later. You've been praying for a table, and God makes trees. He made a tree. Go make a table. He's given us what we need to do what he's called us to do. The problem is our expectation is sometimes he'll do what he called us to do for us. And I don't have a problem with praying, Lord, save my relatives as long as I'm willing to forgive them. If I pray that prayer and then I know the truth and then I look into the truth and see it and then I go do something else, that prayer doesn't work. He's not going to save them over top of my unforgiveness. He's saying, I trained you to talk to them. And so I'll empower you to talk to them and I'll forgive them. Why don't you forgive them? Why don't you start forgiving them? Why don't you not act like you're doing me a service by asking me to save them when you won't forgive them? And so what I find out is I can pray God save them. Then he immediately turns it back on me and says, go and tell. Go and tell. But God, you can just save them. You can just go whoop. And they just show up at church next week with their hands up. Like, wouldn't that be easier? No, 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 no. I said I'd empower you to go and tell. So now I want you to go into that difficult situation where you've had a bad relationship with that person for years, where you've never been, where you've never forgiven and you've never been forgiven. And I actually want to empower you to walk into that situation and do this. Hey, man, I'm sorry. Ooh, it's quiet in here. It's quiet. Because it's not his job to evangelize. It's ours. It's ours. He's not coming back and doing our job for us. He's empowering to do the job he called us to do. So I'm standing here waiting to him come back to do something. I'm standing here waiting. And he's saying, I made the trees. You go make a table. I gave you power and authority. And I told you I'd be with you always like we talked about last week. And so now I need you to do what I called you to do. I'm sending you a helper. I'm sending you the one that's going to empower you. You'll have every resource at your fingertips. If you'll do what I asked you to do, I will give you everything you need to do it. Now, come on. Go do it. And we're still going, God, come on. Couldn't you do this? I, told you, I think I told you last week. I was talking to somebody about this. Uh, one of my kids. I won't tell you who it is. Um, but he... Uh, He's a little, um, he's not like this way anymore, but when he was a little younger, he, he, would, he was just back bashful, man. He'd be at Chick-fil-A, and, um, and my, 
my, both daughters worked there. And so we knew the people there. We'd be at Chick-fil-A and we'd sit down at the table and he'd say, man, I want some ketchup. I said, go get some ketchup. No, nah, I don't need it. <laughs> well, bro, I'm not getting you ketchup. I don't even eat ketchup. You go get it if you want it. And he'd sit there and not eat ketchup. I said, oh, if you want to live a life under what God had for you to live, then that's your decision. <laughs> he said he was going to give me life and life more abundantly. And I'm eating, I'm eating Chick-fil-A sauce right now because I'm not afraid to take all the promises of God. If you're going to sit there in your life and complain about unmet expectations and how, and how you don't have ketchup because nobody will get it for you, that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> that's like Chrissy's seven. I'm like, he can get up and get God's promise himself. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I would get so frustrated, I'd be like, it's just ketchup. Go get it. No, I don't need it. I don't even want it anymore. I don't even want it anymore. Watch this. Let's translate this in a real modern day time. We pray and ask God for things that we think we want, but then when he says, I called you to do it, we go, I don't need it. I don't need it. Paralyzed when the expectation was that we wouldn't have to work for it. That we wouldn't have to, we wouldn't have to apologize for it. We wouldn't have to, we wouldn't have to forgive people for it. We just thought we could pray and he would just come down and, oh, it's all better. Look at me. I prayed. He's got favor in my life. No, what it comes from is the empowerment of him to, for you to do what he had called you to do from the beginning. So the reason we're not living in the fullness of his grace sometimes is because we're expecting him to do the things that only we can do. He's not going to forgive somebody for you. He's not going to make it right for you. He's going to empower you. In the middle of trouble, I can have enough peace to do the right thing. I can adjust my expectations. God, you are not going to make this relationship any better until I step towards you. You're not going to make my marriage any better until I step towards you. You're not going to make my kids any better until I step towards you. And when we get that understanding that there's things that God does and there's things that we do, when we adjust our expectation to he makes the trees, we make the tables, it begins to work out a little better, doesn't it? I'm going to get up. My son realized I'm almost 15 years old. I'm going to get my ketchup. God put peace out there for me. I'm going to get it. Wake up in the morning and get your peace. Better yet, come home in the evening and still have peace. Because your expectations have been adjusted by the truth. And so don't look into the truth like a mirror and walk away from it and just forget who you are. Remember, he has been training us for this. He's been training us for it. Look at your neighbor and say, we've been trained the whole time, didn't even realize it. Tell him, we didn't even realize he was training us, but he's been training us the whole time. And so when he says, I'm going to suffer, it's what has to happen. That's his part. When he says, now you go and tell, that's what has to happen. It's your part. So this unrealistic expectation, we cannot afford for it to paralyze the church. We have to realize there's his part, our part. And then when we realize that, we adjust our expectations, then the expectations become empowering. Don't they? Then you can walk into Chick-fil-A and go, I'm going to get my ketchup. I know it's coming. I know I'm going to sit down at the table and dad's not going to get up. But I'm going to ask for it anyway. 
and then I'm going to go get it. And I'm not going to be shy about it anymore. And the thing that God is looking at us, Matthew 28, verse 18, he said, I've, I have all authority. We talked about it last week. I have all authority. Now go into all the world and make disciples. I'm going to be with you always. He said, this is my role. I have the authority, and I'll be with you. Now you do your thing in the middle. You do your thing in the middle. So when we adjust our expectations to line up with the truth, now it becomes an empowering, motivating thing in our lives. You know what? This life is not always going to go perfect, but I can put a smile on my face because the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard my heart and mind, and I don't have to be drugged down into the ditch every time something bad happens. I don't have to have my expectations blown every time something doesn't go my way, but in the middle of it, I can be empowered to present his gospel every time. I can be empowered to forgive every time. I can be empowered to witness every time. In the middle of it, going sideways my right expectations empowered me to do the right thing some of you need to hear this this could transform your marriage it could transform you could be the best person in your job if you just adjust your expectations a little bit and realize that the guy who's torqued off every time God might have trained you up to deal with him and if you just your expectations, say, look, I've been dealing with this guy 15 years. I got a whole lot of training. I know exactly what he's going to do. And instead of letting it irritate me anymore, I'm going to let it empower me to witness. I'm going to say, Lord, you said you give me peace with trouble. And his name is Bill. So here we go. I'm getting up in the morning, getting my peace because I know I'm going to have to deal with trouble. So I've adjusted my expectations. It's not pessimism, it's realism. It's optimism that in the middle of what's going to happen, you're going to empower me to do what I need to do. And so I'm optimistic, Lord, that the peace that passes all understanding is going to guard my heart and mind. He can't get into my head anymore. And now I can forgive him every time he does it. And now my attitude towards him is different. And before you know it, all that training, all those years, has now led me to be able to present the gospel to him in a way that he's going to understand it and you're going to get the glory for it and he's going to get eternal life. He didn't even realize he was doing it. Isn't that amazing? Stand to your feet. Why are you standing here looking when he told you to go? Father, we prayed we'd be a church that wouldn't stand and wait, but we'd go and tell we pray, Lord, that we remember what you trained us for. We look back at our life and realize every step of the way, you were working all things together for good. Lord, that the difficulty that we've walked through to this point in time was training to deal with difficult things. Lord, not only just to deal with it, to excel and be empowered in the middle of it. Lord, that your gospel would go forward even in the most difficult of situations because we have the right expectation. Lord, we have the expectation that nothing is impossible with you. Lord, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We have the right expectation that you would, that none would perish, but all would inherit eternal life. We have the right expectation that you want to evangelize the world through us. We have the right expectation that you're putting us in the position to do that, that you'll provide for us to do it, that you'll empower us to do it. Lord, we have the right expectation that you'll never leave us or forsake us. We have the right expectation that you have all authority in heaven and earth. We have the right expectation, God, that when we go and tell, you'll be with us every step of the way. You'll provide.
God, you'll protect, you'll do all that you promised to do. And so, Lord, we make a commitment this morning that we'll do our part in light of you always doing your part, Lord, that we can have the confidence that if we step out and do what you ask us to do, 